nation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. All right, let's go. Let's dive into it. Um, but get everybody to jump in. It is so important. Let me tell you why it's so important. Let's let's pray. Father, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the provisions of grace. We thank you for the privilege of spiritual bonding, for the grace to have a spiritual family and for the opportunity to come by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you that you do not see us based on the frailties of our humanity, but that you see us through the perfect redemptive work of the blood of Jesus that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Thank you, Lord, for everyone here, everyone who might be dealing with an insecurity, some form of inferiority, inefficiency, difficulty in one way or the other. Thank you that grace is being released even now. Thank you that grace is being released even now. Thank you that strength is pouring forth even now. Thank you, Lord, that divine enablement is being made available through this corporate connection as we teach, as we share, as we look into your word. Thank you that you're stirring up energy, stirring up fire, stirring up strength in every heart, in every mind, in every soul, in the name of Jesus. Thank you that we're living enlightened, we're living equipped, we're living fortified, we're living engaged in the name of Jesus with more clarity than ever before. We honor you, our Father, for signs, wonders, miracles, testimonies, that this will be our best immersion yet. This will be our best, our best immersion yet with many tangible miracles, many creative miracles, many destiny clarifying encounters, revelation knowledge pouring like water. Thank you, Father. We honor you. We honor you that not only are we going to receive ministry, we will the vessels and voices through which you minister. There'll be a dimension of the operation of the Spirit of God in every life, through every life, including those who've never experienced grace being put for through their own lives before. They will encounter God. They will experience God. They will enjoy not only the reality of his presence, but also the reality of his operation through them as vessels and as ministers. Thank you that the words we hear today will not only be relevant in this time, but they'll be relevant in the times ahead. They'll bring more clarity. They'll bring more precision. They'll bring so much more for us all. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Thank you, Father. All right, I wish that amen would be stronger and louder and louder and louder. Now, why is preparation important? This is how to prepare for special meetings, for prophetic and special meetings. Now, why is that important? It is important because many times, your outcomes are dependent on your preparation many times. So let me just ask a question. Is there anybody here? You know that you failed a course in school or an exam at some point in your life or, you know, <laughs> an exam, a test, not because you were not smart, but because you did not prepare well. If that ever happened to you, lift your hand, show me an emoji, put a yes or a Y in the comment. You wrote an exam, you wrote a test, and you, you failed, or you didn't do so great. And the reason that happened was not because you're not smart. As in, like, I, I can tell you that 
for a fact in my own life. There were courses I failed, not because I wasn't smart, but because, number one, I was not very interested. <laughs> number two, I just didn't prepare, right? Okay, thanks to all the honest people. PLT, I see you. Thanks for your honesty. Fedak Mola is like, yeah. Um, Tammy is like, oh, count me in the number. Ogo is like, oh, wow. By which, of which, Ogo, somebody was speaking well of you earlier today. I'll tell you who the person was later. Later, Lolati says, yes, with a selfie. <laughs> Moses says, presence, two hands in the air. All right. So that tells us something that intelligence is not enough. Preparation is essential, right? Intelligence is not enough. Preparation is essential. Now, as it is with academics, so it is with spiritual things. Okay. And I'll show you from the scriptures. It's not just enough to have spiritual intelligence. You need spiritual preparation. It's not enough to have to know where the Bible passages are, to know uh, P. Dam's nuances, to be familiar with P. Daniel's content, to know how PLT is going to stir us up or charge us up when I give out the microphone sometime between a teaching or prophetic declaration, or to know how Minister Solomon or Prince Cooper is going to, you know, take the declaration in a way that is so emotive and so captivating, or the way P-Land is going to come with a suave and sweet anointing, or with the way Minister Oche will come and say, Kadie say, uh, uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not enough to know that. Or the way uh, PV is going to come with one prophetic, you know, whirling. No, you, you already know that, right? Or to know how immersion flows. We must be prepared. The same way the preacher must be prepared to preach, the listener must be prepared to receive. And this is something we don't teach enough in the body of Christ. We teach preachers, stay awake, pray all night, get the scriptures, ruminate like I mean, I just, I just share with the ministers, and I do this every month. All we're going to be preaching throughout the rest of the year. Uh, re- well, you guys know what we're preaching the rest of the year. But at the beginning of every month, I share with them the preaching calendar for the eight meetings or the 12 services or 16 services, you know, depending on whether we're preaching two different things on a Sunday, right? I prepare. I don't just prepare the message. I prepare the curriculum. I prepare the framework because we're raising people. So it's not just, I don't just preach what's exciting me or what's doing me or what I read in my morning devotion or what's the in thing or the subject matter catching fire in the culture or, you know, leveraging culture. No, I prepare based on the results I want to see, based on the outcomes that God wants to see. So your preparation is not based on your feelings. Your preparation is based on desired outcomes. Good preparation is not preparation based on feelings. It's not preparation based on pressure. It's not preparation based on familiarity. It's based on the outcomes that you want to see. As a matter of fact, your outcomes are oftentimes a reflection, a better reflection of your preparation than your intelligence. Outcomes are oftentimes more reflective of your preparation than they are of your intelligence. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because the truth is, you're more intelligent now. As a 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, maybe 50-something-year-old, you're more intelligent now than you were at 16 or 17. But if you were to write jam again, how many of you know that you're not going to do very well? If you write jam again now, chances are that you are still going to get 196 over 400. There are huge chances that you end up with 207. <laughs> I have to write post-jam exam. Right? Why? 
even though you have more intelligence, you have less preparation. And this is one of the things that I'm seeing in Kings, but also in you know, other places, parts of the body of Christ, where the preacher is prepared, the ministry team, they are prepared, the choir, you know, prepared, person taking transition prayers, prepared. But how prepared are the people receiving? Because the fact that rain is pouring does not mean my bucket will be full. The fact that the heavens are open does not mean my heart will overflow, right? The fact that rain is pouring does not mean I have containers, tanks, vessels, drums, receptacles, not only to receive, but also to retain. So my preparation determines what I receive and how I receive. Actually, my preparation determines how I receive and then how I receive determines what I receive. Okay, my preparation also determines what, how I retain and what I retain based on how I retain. Are we getting it now? It is so important, very important. So I want to just help us prepare and we're going to have many special meetings. We're having immersions and special meetings. We're also going to have a prophetic service 30th of April. That's the last Sunday of this month. It's just going to be a prophetic service, giving words. I'm, I'll be ministering. You also be ministering. You all be ministering to you know um, one another as well. Okay? Just allowing the graces and the gifts of God pour forth in the house. Now, when it comes to preparation, um, I'm, trying to want, I'm trying to see which one I should start with. Let's let's hmm. all right. Let's go to Second Chronicles twenty-seven verse six. Start with that. Second Chronicles twenty-seven verse six. I wanted to to observe that and see how preparation actually works and how it uh, impacts upon us. And you can read it from the beginning verses. Jotham was 25 years old and became king. 25 old, became king. <laughs> right? But I'm tempted to touch on that, but let me leave it. It was right nice of the Lord. Verse 3, we might touch on verse 3. In immersion, we might. I'm not sure. He built the upper gates of the house of the Lord. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the upper room. So there are upper rooms, there are upper windows, there are upper gates. Right, he built the upper gate of the house of the Lord, and he built extensively on the wall of Ophel. That's verse three. Verse four, he built cities. Right, so because we have a generation of people that want to build cities, but they've not built the upper gates of the house of the Lord. Right, anybody that is more committed to his business than is committed to the kingdom will build idols in his business. Anybody that's more committed to his social influence than he is to kingdom influence will build cities that will lead men to idolatry. So he built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. He made the house of the Lord priority. He raised the standards and his commitment to God first. And then he built cities in the mountains of Judah and the forest. He built fortresses and towers. He fought with the king of the Amorites and you know, defeated them and all of that. Now, when you go all the way, um, you're going to see, and the, people, and the people of Ammon gave him in that year 100 talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, Stop trying to run after material things. Build the upper gates. Build the cities. The people will give you stuff. Right? Build the upper gates. That's your spirituality. Build the city. That's build systems that sustain, that produce. Then people will give you silver. People will give you wheat. People will give you barley. 
Then the people of Ammon paid to him in the second and third years also. So he became recurrent income. But that's not my emphasis. Verse 6, my emphasis. So Jotham became mighty. Why? Because he was intelligent? No. Because he was smart? No. Because he was handsome? No. Because he, was, he had a great shape? He had biceps? No. Jotham became mighty. Why? Because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. One of my friends, I've not seen him, we've been friends for almost 20 years now, about 17, 18 years. Yeah, you know, like days. And he came, he had a lot of questions. I haven't seen him in about four or five years now. He had a lot of questions. One of the things he said, Pastor D, you do so much, you do a lot of things. How do you do this? So I said, I do this. this. I said, but how do you find time to do this, to do that? So I told him that I usually plan the year. I start planning the next year from about August. So, I mean, I turned 40, and thanks to you guys for making, me, making it very special. But I've been 40 in my mind since last year. <laughs> so, whilst people like to reduce their age, I actually think about my age a year before. So, I plan the year from about August, typically, actively about August, and then I consolidate in November. So, I showed him, you know, the plan for the year, my plans for the year, dream space, all the things we're doing, kings and all of that. He said, hey, I know, but how do you get time to plan the year. So I explained to him. And this is the thing. Preparation. That's the, that's the name of the game. Your intelligence may not deliver on its true value if you don't marry intelligence to preparation. It may not. Because what you see is that you discover yourself playing the catch-up game where you're always falling behind. And it's not because you're dumb. It's because you were not smart enough to add to your smartness preparation. Okay, deep calls on to deep. Smartness calls on to smartness. So whether it's like bills I need to pay or things, I plan ahead. So in as much as I, it may look like I'm doing a whole lot of stuff, there's a, there's, there's a place for everything in my mind. And, you know, full disclosure, I told him, I said, see, it's not as if I get everything right. So I showed him a book that I've been working on since 2017. But I showed him the cover design of that book. And the timeline was 2017. So I said, it's not as if I do everything I want to do or everything I can do, right? But I'm able to cover much ground, not just because I'm smart and I am by God's grace, not just because I'm intelligent and I am by God's grace, but because over time I've learned to see that preparation gives you an edge. Are we getting it? Somebody type your name and say, Damilola. Damilola became mighty. Right? Damilola became mighty because he prepared his ways. Prepared his ways before the Lord. You can read the rest of that. Prepared his ways before the Lord. Somebody say, look at your neighbor, tag somebody and say, prepare your ways. Yeah. Prepared his ways. Lord, help me tonight. There are five major points I want to give you, but I'm setting the pretext, okay? <laughs> yeah. And preparing is, a, is an act of wisdom, okay? Let me read to you Proverbs, Proverbs 8, 22. Then I should be able to take so if there's anything that is major to you, prepare for it. If it's marriage, prepare for marriage. If it's, if it's business, prepare for business. If it's a special meeting, don't be that person that waltz into the hall tomorrow. 
and is wondering what's going on. That as in, it's such not a way to live. <laughs> Don't be that person that just strolls in. That just, you know, no, you must be prepared. One of the things that I didn't know it was a big deal until my mentor said to me, if I'm in the presence of my mentors, I'm either recording what they are saying with their permission or I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. So when I ask questions, they go like, oh, that's a good question. Oh, wow, that's, that's so profound. In fact, some of my questions hold answers inside because I prepare. Now, Proverbs chapter 8 from verse, uh, it's long, but read, read the earlier verses. When you come to 18, riches and honor with me and your riches and righteousness my fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold. Keep all the way to verse 21. That I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasures. Verse 22. The Lord possessed me. When? At the beginning of his way. When? Before his works of old. Now, that means God prepared before he made the earth. What did he prepare with? Wisdom. Because before his works of old, he had something. So if God who knows the end from the beginning prepares before he works, why are you going to a board meeting unprepared? Why are you going to preach a message unprepared? Why are you attending a service unprepared? Why are you, why are you doing anything without preparation? Instead, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains upon the water, before the mountains were settled, before, before the hills. Now, what is prepare? Prepare is what you do before. So when he was saying before this, before his works of old, before the mountains were settled, before the hills. So there is a concept I shared with my wife a, a long time ago, before we got married. I was concept of predecisions, which is I made, there are certain decisions I've made before I need to make them. They are decisions I've made before I need to make them. Now, what's preparation? Preparation is from two words, prepare, prepare. To pair means to cut, to prepare, cut, cut, in P-A-R-E, not P-A-I-R, P-A-R-E, to cut. Pre is before. So to prepare is to pre-cut. Pre-cut. When Timmy or Shia or Ahmed of video, they're trying to make clothes, they designed it first, and then based on that design, they caught. So what you caught must be based on design. Your preparation must be based on projected outcomes. There's a design, there's something you want to see. There's an outcome you want. And so based on that, you pre-cut. Yes, Darren too, when Darren wants to make those beautiful dresses, you, there's a picture in your mind. So you don't just cut anyhow. You don't just cut because the fabric is plenty. It's plenty of... Uh, you can't because there is a design you have, an expectation you have. This also explains why when people don't pay for things, they don't really get much out of it because when you don't pay, you also don't pay attention. Paying attention means that people are better able. That's why things like fasting before a special meeting is important because fasting tells you that you are preparing. Fasting tells you that this is not a casual meeting. So once we've not made it compulsory, I think anybody that knows the way I communicate should already know that if you are a leader or a service team member, I expect that you're already fasted. <laughs> okay? So he prepared. Somebody say, I am preparing. Say, I am ready. 
I'm getting ready. So in the beginning, I was there. You can read in, in different translations. It's just give you a whole lot of, uh, of things. All right, I see that. I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready. So Lord prepared. Now let me read it in verse, verse uh, in Amplified Classic, verse 27. Verse 27, Proverbs 8, 27, Amplified Classic. Said, someone should please post first. When he, talking about God, when he prepared the heavens, I, wisdom was there. When he drew a circle, so God designed, he drew a circle when he prepared the heavens. So the heavens are prepared, but is your earth prepared? Is your, what's your earth? Your heart, your ground, is it prepared? Is it prepared? Is it ready? Are you ready? Are you, are you in tune? Are you in sync? We get it now? All right, let me run for time's sake. Let me show you this last one as a pretext and then we'll, we'll go uh, into the, the five points. Now, when you go to Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40, from verse 1 to 11. Isaiah 40. Please make sure everybody on your team, in your teams, um, listen to this before immersion or watch this. Comfort, yes. Comfort, yes. Comfort, my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem, Isaiah 40 from verse 1, and cry out to her, I'm in verse 2 now, that her warfare is ended. That's Her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand. The way you've posted all the verses, a lot, lot to take and break it down. From the Lord's hand. Double for all our sins. Verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. was the crying? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert. A highway for our God. Listen. Who's God? The uncreated creator. The founder of our lives. The owner of heaven and earth. The one who cannot be stopped. Yet, before he comes into the earth, he commands people to prepare the way. Now, he's not preparing the way so that God will find a way to come. He's saying prepare the way so that when God comes, you will find him at work in your life. So that when there's an outbreak of the spirit, the outpouring of the spirit, when the word is coming with light, precision, accuracy, fire, it's not just going to be, you won't just be the person catching people who are falling. You're also catching what is falling. So while some people will fall and some people will not fall, something should fall on everybody. Come on now. You won't just be the person observing how, how mighty the works are. You are also bubbling with fire and intensity. You're also giving a word. You're also receiving a word. You're getting another layer to what God told you three weeks ago that you were not very clear on. That dream you had, all of a sudden as I'm teaching or as a minister Uche is speaking, right, or KMT is ministering, boom, light begins to come. Why? Not only have we prepared a way for God, we have prepared a way for our experiences in God, our encounters in God. So it's a make straight in the desert. So desert, dry, there's a, a reason for you not to be prepared. Dryness, 
all of that still prepared that way in the desert and said, make a highway for our God. Then what's going to happen? Every valley will be exalted. Come on now. So this scripture about God exalts every valley and it brings down the mountain. The people that experience it are a prepared people. Not just an excited people, a prepared people. Now, preparation may help excitement, but it can be excited without being prepared. Oh, come on now. It says in verse 4, every valley shall be exalted, every, every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked paths shall be made straight. This is, a, this is a word for someone. And the rough place is smooth. Then what will happen in verse 5? What happened in verse 5? See verse 5. It says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And this is why all of us prepare. And all, I feel goosebumps now. And all flesh shall see it how? Shall see it how? In verse 5. All flesh shall see it how in verse 5. Together. That is the desired outcome. Because I think it was on Sunday I was saying that God doesn't want disproportionate growth. He doesn't want disproportionate growth. He doesn't want your right ear to be bigger than your left. Your right arm to be longer than your No, everybody needs to be prepared. Connected. Anticipating. Not being walked up. To say amen, hallelujah, shout, jump, prepare to participate in the corporate worship. The church was never designed to be one performer and every other person observing and observers. It's designed to be a team of reformers who come under the instruction of somebody who's speaking or ministering in music. But then based on that activation or that instruction or that inspiration, they all take of the substance of God and minister one to another. And they can also even minister to the preacher or the teacher or the speaker. That's why Paul would ask for prayers. Are we here? So for God to come into the earth, he prepared and he told people to prepare. So he didn't just, so his, his preparatory work was not just in creation. His preparatory work is also in the new creation. Are we here? So see that Mark chapter one, Mark chapter one from verse one, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, verse two, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face. What will my messenger do? What will he do? He who will prepare your way before you how does it prepare the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make his paths straight and then john came and he he did just that all right so how do you prepare for special meetings when it comes to meeting god don't approach god casually so I could teach how not to come. Don't come casually. Don't come perfunctorily. Don't come lazily. Don't come lousily. Don't come slothfully. Don't come like that. You can read Amos 4, 11 to 13 later. One of the verses there says, Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Prepare to meet your God. 
Amos 4, 11 to 13. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Now, in that context, he was talking about judgment, really. Israel was going to come under the judgment of God because of their repeated cycles of obstination and rebellion. And because of the mercy of God, he decided, hey, I'm a God of love, God of justice. Feel the weight of my justice <laughs> and then appreciate my mercy. Okay? So he said, prepare to meet your God. So in that context, it was negative. But in the positive context, you also prepare to meet God. So when you go, you read the book of Joel, you're going to see that. God said to Moses in the book of Exodus, I don't have enough time to run through all scriptures. He said to them, tell the people to prepare themselves. So get yourselves ready because you overcome this Jordan. Yeah, Joshua told the people as well, you overcome this Jordan. You'll come over this Jordan, you'll cross this Jordan. Prepare for that. Prepare for that. If you're making a presentation, you prepare. If you're going for a Vista interview, you pre prepare. If you're going um, for a party, you prepare. So when it comes to the most important appointment in your life, you must also prepare. In fact, let me tell you one of the things that many of us have been suffering from. The reason many of us don't have solid, strong, progressive prayer lives is that we don't prepare to have such. So we pray just when, you know, the unction is on or there's a window of opportunity and all. You are not prepared. Part of pre preparation to prayer is when will I pray? What will I pray? What will I pray about? What are the scriptures I need? And you'll be surprised that if you spend 10 minutes before prayer, your 15 minutes of prayer will be so powerful and so potent because they are targeted. You're not just firing shots and shooting blanks. So how do you prepare? Time sake, number one. How do you come? It's said prepare to meet God. So come. How do you come? Number one, come clean. The first way to come to a special meeting is come clean. Now, what does coming clean mean? Many of us think that coming clean means I come sinless, spotless, blameless, faultless, flawless, wrong thinking less. That's not, that's not the biblical definition of coming clean. Right? I'll show you from Hebrews. You can write on Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. If you go to James and you read James, James is saying, come clean, purify your hearts, all you sinners. Come clean, all you hypocrites. The way James writes, James writes oftentimes, often enough from a legalistic perspective. And um, you might get the idea that everything is written there is for the New Testament believer. But if you look through what James is writing sometimes, you might identify that uh, the Bible never calls believers hypocrites. It calls them saints, right? Because God sees you through the veil of the blood. So coming clean does not mean, okay, sort out all your issues. Well, then after you've sorted out all your issues, you now come before God. No, I'll show you from Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. It says, therefore, brethren. So he calls you brothers uh, as in siblings. Having boldness to enter the holiest of the blood of Jesus. Now, let me explain this. The concept of boldness, let me ask you now. If someone says, come boldly, does it mean that naturally you believe that you qualify to come? Is that what it means? No. If someone says, uh, come boldly, that means the person perceives that there is a part of you, your mind, your thinking, your ideology, that feels less than inadequate, unable, unworthy. So it says having bonus to enter, which means that if I feel completely holy and seamless, then I lack the bonus to enter. 
But because God knows, because of the frailties of my infirmities, or my thoughts, or my past, or my experiences, there may be smudges and blemishes that want to accuse me, say, I immersion of people like you. You want to go and pray for 12 hours for where? I've even prayed for 12 minutes in your house. He says, having boldness to enter into, enter the holiest. This one says, full freedom and confidence to enter into the holiest by the power of the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest of the house of God, what should you do? Draw near. What should you come with? Look at that now. He said, draw near with what? The first way to come boldly before God is to come with the true heart. So even if you are struggling with a besetting sin, if you are struggling, that true heart does not mean a heart that has never done anything wrong. Natural heart is a heart that acknowledges that this is where I am. I'm stuck in this issue. I'm stuck in this pattern. I'm distracted. I'm anxious. I feel nervous. I feel overwhelmed. I have this against this person. But it says, come. Now, he says, come with a true heart. What should you come with? This is where most people miss it. He says, when you come, come in the full assurance of faith. Whose faith? The faith of Jesus. That's how you should come. Problem is many people are trying to come in their own faith. But your own faith does not have full assurance. The faith that has full assurance is the full assurance of the faith of Jesus. That means that you believe in his belief, in believing that what he has done concerning you will come to pass. All right, talk to me now. Talk to me now in the comments. There's something called borrowed belief in motivation and psychology, which means that sometimes you don't believe in yourself to be able to do something, but because your mentor or your coach or your leader believes so much, and you're like, ah, maybe I'm not that bad. Maybe I can really do that. Because the truth of the matter is, at some point in your life, you will not feel as spiritual as you used to feel. At some point in your life, you will not feel as patient. You will not feel as, as accepted, as good, as pure. Maybe you looked at somebody lustfully. Maybe you yapped your husband or your wife. Maybe there's money God says you should give and you're still holding it back. Right? Maybe, maybe there's a birthday gift you have for me that you have not given. Maybe. <laughs> and you don't feel like, ah, no, no, let me not call. He said, come. But come in the full code red, right? <laughs> come in the full <laughs> code red. Come in the full assurance of it. And then it says this. Having our hearts, what is it sprinkled for? Sprinkled from an evil conscience. Who does that? Jesus. And our bodies washed with pure water. So now he's borrowing, he's borrowing parallels from the Jewish tradition because Hebrews, of course, Hebrews, Jews, is writing to Jews. So he has to use metaphors. And back then, there was what they call ablution. The priests had to wash themselves, wash their hands. Some other religions still do it today. He's saying that this having your body washed with pure water is that Jesus has already shed his blood and already shed water because when they pierced him, don't forget, blood and water came out. Now, blood purges you of your sins. The water purges you of the filthiness of your acts. When you want to have your bath in the morning, you don't bathe in blood, you bathe in water. Is that so? Why are you bathing in water? You're bathing in water because as a human being walking, I feel the power of God. Walking through the earth, you will pick up dirt. Watching Netflix, you picked up some dirt. Hanging around some people, you picked up some dirt. Going for some family parties, you picked up some dirt. 
So the water of the word then bathes you so that even though in your spirit you are made perfect by the blood of the Lamb, also in your soul and in your body, the water of the word preserves you. So it says, what you then do is that you let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So when you are coming for immersion or a special meeting, you know what the issues are. I spoke to this person wrongly. I'm owing that person money. I know that God, here is your son. With my coconut head, I have come to the cross. Help me. Don't try to figure out your practical liberation from it. First of all, accept the fact that in the context where you are, God is not ashamed of you. Right? He says, do that. So let us hold fast confession of our faith without wavering. Uh, why? That next line is very important. That's good, right? God is not ashamed of me. There's something I want everybody to write now. After God is not ashamed of me, write the next one. It says, for he who promised is faithful. Come on now. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to give you an inheritance amongst those who are being saved. You see that now. He said, for he who promised is faithful. Is faithful. Then he now said, in the next verse, let us consider, give me the next verse, because many comments have covered it. He said, let us consider one another. And when we consider one another, let it be for this. He said, in, in, order, in order to stir up love, stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Why does it speak this? One of the major reasons people don't gather together is because they are ashamed or they have guilt consciousness or they think people will judge them or, or the enemy has tricked them. He said, let us not forsake the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. But what should we do? Exhorting one another as so much more, as so much the more as we see the day approaching. John 6, 36 to 38. John 6, 36 to 38. Please put the scriptural references there and always start with NKJV. Thank you. John 6, 36 to 38. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. <laughs> so listen, you will say, if I see Jesus, I'll believe him. Jesus came to some people physically and they didn't believe him. <laughs> right? So don't be too sure that if you see him physically, you believe him. Faith is faith. And the more invisible the object of faith is, the stronger you can say the faith is. Let me say that again. Faith is faith. And the more invisible the object of faith is, the stronger you can claim that faith is. Let me say that again. Faith is faith. And the more invisible the object of your faith is, the stronger you can say that faith is. In other words, not seeing yet you believe. John 6, 638. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, look at that, that's powerful. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. By no means, by no means, not even binoculars. By no means, I will not cast out. He said, if you come to me, I got, I'll fix you. If you come to me, I'll clean you. If you come to me, I'll help you. If you come to me, I'll support you. I'll by no means come now. He says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will the will of him who sent me. In other words, even if for whatever reason you think that I, I, I'm going to push you out, know that the Father will never push you out. And this is the proof. The Father will never push you out. The Father wants you so much 
that he pushed out his only begotten son into the midst of the mess just to tell those who are struggling with the mess that because I sent you Jesus, I'm that committed to clean you and to lift you up to the place where I am. If you're not jumping already, I don't know what you're doing. If you're not clapping and spinning already, if you're not hollering or running, throwing your phone against the wall, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Number two. So how do you come for special meetings? Come clean. Coming clean is if there are issues in your life, I'm not saying figure out how to sort them out. Don't, because if you could sort them out, really, maybe you would have something out by yourself. See, let me even tell you something. And this one, this one is, I, I don't have time to explain, but let me, do you know that there are some weaknesses or some infirmities or some things that God may allow in your life, not because he's not able to remove them, but because <laughs> he's creating an avenue for fellowship. <laughs> fellowship in the midst of all of that number two don't forget i can't unpack it number two come early number one come clean number two come early and i'll show you as many scriptures but i won't be able to read all of them psalm 63 i'm in a meeting this is very urgent one moment guys All right, look at what it says, Psalm 63, 1 to 11. Read the whole chapter. I can't because of time. Psalm 63, 1 to 11. Verse 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Early will I seek you. Early will I seek you. You get why? Before the distraction set in, before the complication set in, before I have more reasons, because the slower you go to uh, a place, the, the, the uh, what's the word? the lesser your chances of getting there and getting all you are there. My wife will say, oh, P-Dams, there are many things that you're not in a hurry about. Or there are many things you're not in a hurry about. But my wife says this. So when it comes to kings and when it comes to global greatness, right, you are always like, hey, 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 let me let, you know. Why? Because those are two of the defining, the legacy defining things in my life, right? Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. And this is the reason you don't want to overcommit because the problem, the reason many of us come late or are not punctual or are not as involved is that you are overcommitted. I'm committed to not many things. I do many things, but I'm not committed to many things. Because see, the broader your commitments, the shallower your punctuality. The shallower your, your punctuality and your commitment. But the, the narrower your commitment, the deeper your punctuality and your commitment. It says, oh Lord, you're my God. Early will I seek you. Then it says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. As if I'm in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I mean, that's tautological because if it's a dry and thirsty land, then there's no water. But it says it's dry, it's thirsty, there's no water. In other words, you are the water of my soul. So I am coming to you. You are the water of my soul, so I'm coming to you. You are the water of my soul, I'm coming to you. And how am I coming? I'm coming early. And then he goes there and speaks about different things. I've looked for you in the sanctuary. I've looked for you to see what, to see your power and your glory. In other words, the meeting is starting by nine. I got there at 7.30. He get why. I'm looking for something. 
Others are looking to mark attendance. Others are looking not to write transcriptions. Others are looking to be made pastors. Others are looking for whatever they are looking. But me, I'm looking for God. I'm looking for your power and your glory. There is something I'm looking for that no man can give me. So I don't need stimulants to be stimulated. I don't need aspirants to aspire. I don't need perspirants to perspire. <laughs> I need spirits to spirit, spirit cocoa. It is this kind of thirst that moved the shepherd boy. King, God said, ah, this one is after my heart. Others are after accolades, after Saul's recognition, after Samuel's appointment, after Jesus' good books, after human records. He said, but this one is asking God, within in your heart? Early. And then says, thus I will bless your name while I live. Then he said, my soul shall be satisfied as we marrow and fatness. And my soul follows close behind you. So my body is not just there. It's not just my body that is there. My soul is there. I'm longing. There's a joy. There's an excitement. There's a fire in my eyes. I'm looking for my word. I'm looking for, in fact, every word is my word, really. But I'm listening in for what the Lord would have me do in every session. Read all of that later. And then when you go to, let me just keep. Let me give some other references for time's sake. Luke 4, 16 to 7, 17. Put that. We'll talk about customs. Luke 4, 16 to 17. Put that down. Luke 22, 39 to 40. Excuse me. Luke 22, 39 to 40. Luke 5. Luke 5, 15 to 16. Then let me close that this particular point with uh, Mark 1. Mark 1, 35 to 38. Now in the morning, having, give me, write Mark 1, 35 to 38. Give me the, the full text. Now in the morning, having risen when? A long while before daylight. Long while before daylight. He went out and departed to where? A solitary place. And there he prayed. We need to get to a level as kings, to a, a place in kings where 30 minutes, one hour before the service time, people are there praying. There is no reason why we should not have that. No reason. Because most people are not even married yet. Most people don't even have children yet. These are things that cause delays. Oh, I need to make food for my husband. I need to make pot for my children. I need to breastfeed somebody. I need to heat up the water and bath them said that Jesus, he rose a long while before daylight. And then he departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. Simon and those who were with him, they were looking for him. In other words, people, there's a dimension you pray into that people who know where they should, they should usually find you will not find you there. I proclaim for somebody concerning this immersion. Your location is changing permanently. People will look for you in that sickness, in that disease, in that distress, in that fear, in that shame, in that loneliness. In that they will not find you because you have risen a great while, a long while before daylight. You have gone out, you have departed, and you have gone to a solitary place and you have prayed into a dimension in God where those who are familiar with your former structures of existence will explore those indicators and those indices and say, we cannot find him in this coordinate. He has spotted. He has, I received that for myself and I, I release that upon you. In the name of Jesus the Christ, 
Kepo latuveniga beratush preketai, zadush pregi, zadushina kai kopalaya. You pot, you pot, you pot, you pot, you pot, you pot, you have moved, you have moved, you have moved. Manige beleyaku peretakas. You have moved. You have moved. You have moved. In the name. They said they looked for Jesus, they couldn't find him. They were searching. Do you know what it means to search? This is an active engagement. They searched for him. When, and, and eventually when they found him, they now said to him, everyone is looking for you. <laughs> oh, Managabaya, you are spreading the fire. Immersion is to consolidate, blow up, fan, brighter, the fire of God. So that when you get home, when you get to work, when you get to your business, when you get to the space, the industry, the sphere, boom, an explosion of fire. Reminds to give you the exact action points on that each one. Number three, come boldly. Number three, come boldly. Come boldly. Now, part of what stops boldness, we've dealt with that guilt, shame, and sin struggles and all. But part of what also stops boldness could be personality or intimidation. Some of us have never prayed for one hour before. So we're scared. Some of us have never prayed for two hours before. So we're, we're concerned. Some of us have prayed for four hours, five hours, but that was a long time ago. In fact, some of us last immersion. So we're, we're scared. Don't be afraid. Tag somebody say, don't be afraid. Come boldly. Come boldly. Be bold to present your case before God. Be bold to present your cares before God. Be bold to pre- present your concerns before God. Be bold. Hebrews 4. 14 to 16. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have, who do we have? A great high priest. It's not a weak high priest. It's not a lowly high priest. See, small people are intimidated by small challenges. Small people are overwhelmed by big challenges. But big people are not intimidated by small challenges. Neither are they afraid of big challenges. So when it says a great high priest, he's trying to tell you that this priest is not a low priest, though. He's a high priest. He has seen it all. He has seen men struggle. He has seen David fall into adultery and become the man after God's heart. He has seen Abraham's lie that their wives are their sisters, and he still had a place for them in destiny. He has seen Moses strike the rock, and he still called them into purpose. He has seen, come on now. He says, when you are coming to deal with him, Don't come and be acting as if somebody's tongues are better than yours in the realm of the spirit. The fact that you cannot expedite or stir up like PLT or or Pastor Vicky does not mean that your voice is not needed. The fact that your prayers is not as hot as Kenneth's or daring leading does not mean that your prayers don't have weight. The fact that your tongues don't sound as robust as mature as PDAMs right? Do you understand? He said, come boldly. He's a great high priest who he has seen different kinds of priesthoods and is committed to them all as long as they keep believing in him. He says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. He says, let us, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses Look at what he now says concerning the high priest. This is powerful, people. He says that this high priest was in all points 
tempted as we are. See, do you know people that judge you? People that, that are quick to judge? There are two major categories of people that are quick to judge. Maybe three. Number one, hypocrites are very quick to judge. Hypocrites, very quick to judge. The Pharisees, they were judging the adulterous woman. <laughs> and Jesus said, okay, no problem. He that has no, no sin, cast the first stone. The Bible says all of them drop their stones from the oldest to the youngest. You know why? The older you grow, the more temptations you have seen, and more likely, the more temptations you have fallen for. So they had a, a broader catalog of feelings. They said, ah, I'm with sin. Let me go. Hypocrites are quick to judge. Number two, immature and inexperienced people, they are very quick to judge. Because maybe because you've not been tempted in a certain way, you now think that somebody was tempted that way, so the person is less than you. Keep on living. Just the play. He said even the high priest was tempted at all points. The Bible does not need to spell it out that part of it must have been sexual. And if you don't know about Jesus, Jesus had women around him. Women. Mary of this. matter of that. Mary and Martha. This one of this one. But there was no Agatha and Martha. But there was Martha. But he said in the middle of it, there was a keeping grace. And so that high priest who wanted to fast, but the devil said, turn it to bread. Do you know what that is? Don't make it as graphic as it is. It's like you want to fast, but there's cake. Jesus experienced it. Nothing to be ashamed of. When that woman was rubbing her hair on Jesus' feet, we're not told, I don't know, but maybe something, a part of his body moved, right? I don't know. The people were like, hey, this guy, he does runs with criminals. Your high priest, please write in the comment, but say your high priest is experienced. He can handle your struggles. And then for those of you who feel intimidated by people who seem spiritual, who seem more spiritual, who seem more exposed, who know, you know, when Peter is quoting that scripture, they are complexing it. When I'm saying, hey, media, get it, and I'm quoting it, and they are saying it beside you, <laughs> leave that thing. Focus on your focus, on your God and your king, and keep your attention on him. Come on, somebody talk to me right now. They say, let's come that we may obtain Mercy. You see, all things come. That's it. It never says, Gareth. It says, come and obtain mercy and then find grace to help in time of need. Number four, how do you come? How do you prepare for a good meeting, a prophetic meeting? Come expectantly. Come expectantly. Come expectantly. Number three, the third category of people that judge you very quickly are wicked people. Wicked people, they judge everything apart from themselves. People that judge, no, I'm, there's a dimension of judging, or you should judge. But the Bible says he that's spiritual judges all things, but is judged by nothing because he judges himself. Right? But I'm talking about when I say judge, I'm saying condemnatory, condemnatory, accusatory judgment. But there's a dimension of judgment. I'll speak about when I speak about the thrones. There are thrones, the thrones of David. He said the, the, he said the palaces of Jerusalem are well built. And in them are the thrones of David. So there's thrones for judgment, but I don't want to touch on that right now. Number four, come expect. Is it number four we're in? We're in? Yeah, number four is come expectantly, Busola. Number three is come boldly. You've mislabeled it, please. Number three is come boldly. Number four, come expectantly. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. Now look at what it says, Isaiah 45, Isaiah 45, 19 to 22. I have not spoken in secret 
in a dark place of the earth. I did not say to the seed of Abraham, so to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. I didn't say to him, seek me in vain. He said, I, the Lord, guess what I do? I speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Therefore, assemble yourselves and come. Why? When I say seek me, I never say seek me for nothing. It says God is a rewarder of them that diligently. We see that in Hebrews, right? Hebrews 11, verse 6. He that comes to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently, diligently, diligently seek him. Things I'm showing you is how to diligently seek him. He says, when I told the seed of Jacob, seek me, he was not in vain. Which means every time you seek me, there is a reward. I am too good a God to waste the time you spend with me. Let me say that again. I am too good a God to waste the time that you spend with me. I'm the creator of time and I say waste nothing. So how can I waste your time? How can you shut down 12 hours for three days and your life will remain the same? It's either your heart was not with me or it was not me you were with. He said, I have not spoken in secret. In other words, I've, this, this is a known fact. I can bank on it. that when I, I say people should seek me, there's a reward that is already set. Says, so draw near together. You who have escaped from the nations. What are the nations doing? He explains what nations are doing. This is Isaiah 45, 19, 22. Write it. Give it to us. It said, you have escaped from the nations. What are the nations? They have no knowledge. So whatever they have is antithetical to my way of doing things. He said they carry the wood of their carved image. They think that is their nine to five that will give them international prominence. That's a carved image. The thing is by them hustling that they will break through. That's a carved image. The thing is the three days they don't spend with me that will make them powerful in life. That's a carved image. He says they pray to a God that cannot save them. So tell and bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel who has declared this from ancient time, who has told it from that time, have not I the Lord, and there is no other God besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Look to me and be saved. All you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. 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 I am God. There is no one. In other words, what I can give you, there's no other person that can give you. What I can do in you, there's no other person that can do it. What I can be through you, there's no other person that can be through you. So get with the program. Number five, so come with expectations. So when you're coming, number one, realize who you're coming to. The God of all flesh. <laughs> if you were to meet Dangote, I say it in different ways. See Dangote or Tedola, you have expectations, even if it's a picture. And that's another issue. You will get out of God what you faithfully expect of him. Let me say that again. Let me, I'll qualify. You will get out of God what you faithfully expect of him and what you patiently wait on him for. Because it says, it's through faith and patience because the promise, not just one. Faith, patience, why? Your faith has to be tested for it to be strong enough to carry the weight of what you are patiently waiting for. Your faith, part of why you need patience, your faith will be tested to be strong enough to carry the weight of what you are patiently waiting for. Let me say that again. Your faith 
will be tested to be strong enough to carry the weight of what you're patiently waiting for. Number five, and it closes. So part of expectations, write a list, have a list, three, five things that you want to see, you want to hear, answers you want to receive, light, direction, clarity, material substance, spiritual gifts. Number five, come with others. Come with others. Come with others. Psalm 122, 1 to 9. Read the whole chapter. It's important. Oh, is it number six? Come. Okay. No, 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 no. It's number five. It's number five. It's number five. It's number five. Come expectantly. The same thing as come with expectations. I don't really get how Buzz is taking our notes tonight. Come expectantly is come with expectations. So number five is come with others. Come with others. What is that? I, uh, Psalm 122, 1 to 9. I was glad when they said to me, when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Somebody give us Psalm 122, 1 to 9. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Within your gates. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Where the tribes go up. So Jerusalem, people have to travel. This, this psalm is called a psalm of ascent, right? A psalm of ascent was a psalm the children of Israel would sing. It was like a high song, like a ginger song. A ginger song. They would sing it as they were ascending up to Jerusalem, going for worship. So the song of Aslan, like a like call to worship, was a rousing call to worship. So if this song was done, it was not going to be like a low tempo or mid tempo. It was not a, a, a dolorous song. It was like a high energy vibe. I was glad when they said it to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Maybe not like that, but get the point. So when the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, whenever you find testimony with capital T there, he's not talking about people sharing testimonies. He's talking about the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of Testimony, which was the proof that God was amongst his people. So he said, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks in the name of the Lord, for thrones are set there for judgment. I, I touched on this earlier. The thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be with you because of the house of the Lord our God. I will seek your good. But the key point there is, I was glad when they said. So it wasn't just one person that was saying it. This was, come, come to the house. Come to the house of the Lord with joy. Please let your invitations not be with duress. Let it not be, oh, oh, the salvation invite you. No, invite people faithfully. Let your invitations be laced with faith. Let them be from the place of, hey, I know this. Will bless your life, will change your life. You must have that. And see, it takes a prepared person to actually invite as faithfully as they should. Because when you're prepared, the Lord, let me tell you one of the things about preparation. And it's happened to many of you in Kings. It's happened to you where you were praying Saturday night and God told you some things and I was preaching. Just tell me the kinds of things that happened to you. As I was preaching, it was what God told you or I mentioned something God told you or something God had told you a week before became clearer. Your heart was prepared. 
So there was a place for the word to land on. And it released a different dimension of conviction, assurance, acceptance, approval, validation, synchronicity, synergy, alignment. It, it created that room. And you get more out of that experience. In other words, what may have taken you three months now takes three days because there's consolidation in the spirit. We get it? Now, my new song, we're having delays in the release of that song. I'll let you know when it's out. I think another one or two days, it should be by the grace of God. But that new song is actually, the, the tone of that song, 40 songs, is from Psalm 34. The tone, right? When I say the tone, the, the tone of the message of the song, which is a call to praise and celebrate God for all the great things he has done. Psalm 34, if you read it, I mean, give us that. Give us Psalm 34, 1 to 5. Psalm 34, 1 to 5. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul, so it's not just my mouth, my heart is involved now. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Verse 3. How do you come to a prophetic meeting? Come with others. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Not just me. It can't just be, ah, I'm just facing my God. Mm -mm. That's coming selfishly. Come magnify the Lord with me and let us, what? Exalt his name together. Do you remember what we said earlier? That they may experience the glory of God together. All eyes shall see the glory of God. We express it together. Because ultimately, God's idea is not just to settle you. It's to settle you and yours and theirs and theirs. Communion, coming together, come on union, koinonia, fellowship, intimacy, even in the Godhead, it's a good together thing. So it's quite a selfish and somewhat irresponsible thing to claim that you're being nourished in a place over time consistently and there's no other person you look around to say, oh, I brought this person, I brought that person, I brought that person. And they, right? Because you're not fulfilling the full mandate by just being blessed yourself. You are blessed to be a blessing. And see what it says. It says, oh, magnify Lord me, let us exalt his name together. Let me put it like this. God's name is too heavy for one man to carry alone. Oh my gosh. Oh, come on, that's so powerful. That's one of the most powerful things I've said today. God's name is too heavy for one man to carry alone. He said, come let. See, God's identity, he gives you by faith in your spirit. But for the name of God, that's why it says one generation will praise it to another. For the name of God to be carried, you will need a partner. That's why Jesus sent them out in twos. Send them out in twos. Tag somebody and say, come with two or three. Tag somebody and say, come with three people. Come with three people. Now, verse 4 says, I saw the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 4. All my fears. That's me. Verse 4. But look at verse 5. He said, they looked. So it was I in verse 4. In verse 5, it was they. Corporate, collective, other people. I saw the Lord. He heard me. Delivered me from my fears. Well, in verse 5, they looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. So it wasn't just my face set on God. The faces of others were set on God. Their faces 
And guess what? They were not ashamed. You know why? Because nobody sabi see God finish. Come on now. This is powerful stuff. Send me my white paper right now. No matter how big your eyes are, you know if you see God finish. No matter how big your eyes are, you know if you see God finish. No matter how big your eyes are, you can't see him finish. So don't be afraid that if there are more people, the anointing will be diluted. <laughs> so people have the idea that if the church has thousands of people, then the quality will not be that strong. It's not true. It is not true. God has enough to go around. That's why in the miracle of multiplication, he didn't just feed 5,000. He gave them 12 baskets full. There was extra. Verse 6 says, This poor man cried out. The Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Out of all his troubles. And then verse 7. So even a poor man, because Jewish traditionally, they feel like the people were maturely blessed where those were exceptionally endowed by God. So in a degree, some parts of Jewish culture attributed wealth to abundance and supply, right? But he said, even the poor man cried, the Lord heard him. Sitting out of all of his troubles. He delivered me from fear, but God does more than fears. Delivers from troubles. Verse 7, angel of the Lord encaps all around all those who fear him and delivers them. Verse 8, so it's not just hearing now. They said, all oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusted him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his sins. Let me just, let me, I need to close. Verse 1 starts with I. Verse 2, my. Verse 3, invitation, magnify the Lord with me. Verse 4, I sought the Lord. Verse 5, corporate, they. Verse 6, personal in the day. That means as you invite people, trust God to minister to individuals specifically. Gift, um, gift, join kings. My, was it last year or two years ago? My uh, appreciation, surprise thing you guys did. And because of the love, and seeing the connection between the pastor and the people and people and the pastor, she, you have no idea what somebody needs to see, what they need to hear, what they need to feel, what they need to experience, who needs to be hugged, handheld, directed, rebuked, chastised. You have no idea because you're not the builder of men's destinies. But Jesus says, partner with me in this project and invite somebody. I will take it over from there. Right? Verse 8, taste and see. Verse 9, it moves to saints. Verse 11, come, children, listen to me. Go all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way. And that's, all right. So, practical to-dos. Number one, under, come, clean. One line, under, come, clean. Present your faults, your feelings, your struggles, and your vulnerability to God. Come clean. Present your faults, feelings, vulnerability to God. Under, come early. Be punctual to each session. Be punctual to each session. Set an alarm if you need to. Have an accountability partner if you need to. Have an accountability partner if you need to. Pay yourself if you need to. Right? Number three, come boldly. Be present and attentive without guilt, shame, fear, inferiority, or sense of in inadequacy. Part of come boldly is also come boldly to receive ministry. Be bold enough to receive ministry. Some people are, are so tense during ministration, so uptight. Be bold enough to be vulnerable before God. But bold enough to receive ministry. But the second part is, but bold enough to minister. Whether that minister is a note God says write to somebody, or a verse God says share with somebody, or a picture you saw, you saw somebody and you want to be bold enough to receive ministry and to minister. And under come expectantly, 
write a list of what you want to receive, what you want to receive answers to, what you want to experience, or what you want to give or facilitate. Come expect it. To be blessed with yours. Come with others, invite others. But when you invite others, invite others as not just responsibility, invite others as ministry. I was speaking with someone earlier today that said, she said, she's in Kings now, she said, um, she invited, she told somebody, she was not going to go to our church. She was already, you know, disengaging and coming out of that commitment. But that particular day, she wanted to go to another church. And she messaged somebody in Kings, ah, will you ever invite me to my church? And she explained and said, oh, well, the major thing is that that person knew, that king's person knew that she was very committed in her church or knew her to be very committed. So that was not, I mean, she didn't feel bad. But she's like, would you invite me to your church? I really, really asked. And then eventually the person, you know, reluctantly said, yes. And she's so excited, getting blessed in the house now. Question, I've invited people. In fact, I've said to people, when are you going to come to King's? Do you know what some of them say to me? When will you invite me? And I'm like, dude, what do you mean? I post the flowers, I do the WhatsApp, I do the, the broadcast. They say, hey, but that one is general. Guess what? People are at different stages in their lives. And some people feel left out of everything except you personalize it. Some people don't feel invited just because you posted the flyer. They want you in their DM. They want you on a phone call. They want you to say, hey, I know you can't come on Sundays. We're having a special meeting this weekend. Can you come on Friday? Can you come on Saturday? And for all you care, for some of them, it's time for them to move on from where they are. Or some are not even anywhere. Some are not even where you think they are. They only tell you they're in that church so that you stop disturbing them. But if they have a real encounter with God, when you invite from a sense of ministry, not just responsibility, boom, things begin to shift. Yeah? Invite others as an act of love of faith and hope. Ministry then as an act of love. Love people enough to link them up with what God is doing in the house. Faith, when you invite, expect them to have a testimony. Expect them to say, oh wow, during that prayer meeting, during that session, during that declaration, during that this. But one of the things we do during immersion is that we will pray the declaration. We will not just declare. We will take line after line or paragraph after paragraph, and pray them through. And I will show you how every paragraph in that declaration is straight out of the Bible. I may have used my creative intelligence to, um, to craft it differently in a way that is more readable or more memorable, but there is nothing in that declaration that does not have roots in Scripture. Are we here? Then, invite is an act of hope. Hope, faith, and love. I hope they're going to come. I'm not, just, I'm, not just act, I'm not just inviting carelessly or perfunctorily. All right? I trust somebody got something today. I trust somebody got something today. How was it? Tell me in the comments real quick. Books, books. Thank you so much. Books says a whole lot. Thank you for providing support. 
in the ways that you do because that then allows me to do more of these things that only I can do or have been called to do. <laughs> Dairy and hours. So tonight I will prepare my prepared safe. My prepared safe. <laughs> awesome. Hey, my son Dami says, thank you, so I learned a lot. Good. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Good. All right, I see Honora on YouTube being very active there. Esther as well. See you. I see you. And when you come, the purifier's fire, the purifier's fire will purge, cleanse. So for those of you that have you know, struggles and all of that, the fire of God, the Bible says it will sit as refiner's fire and he will purge. He will purge. He will clean you. He's responsible for you. Don't forget that. Don't think that you're the one trying to impress him. God wants to impress himself by how well he sorts you out. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. So someone says, uh, Buzz, I'm more certain of what I need to do. Gift says, my spirit is so expectant for my preparation to be complete and expectant. Such an amazing and practical teaching. Beautiful and clear and expectant. Today's message is straightforward and instructive. All right. Beautiful. So please, some of you need to listen to this again. Um, we need to look for the session I did last year on windows, gates, and doors, portals. I think it was on day two of immersion. I think Friday of immersion last year. Because that's, you need that as well for some things I'll teach later today. Um, all right. Father, we thank you for your sweet spirit and your amazing presence. Thank you for causing our hearts to be drawn to you. Thank you for instructing even this teaching and this meeting. Thank you for everybody on Zoom, everybody on YouTube, everyone on every platform where they are following on WhatsApp and all. Lord, I thank you because this words will germinate. You are doing a quick work in our hearts and our minds and our thinking. You are depositing the essence, the richness, um, the flavors of these truths deep in our hearts and you're causing them to intermingle with our minds. You're causing there to be a spiritual interaction, engagement. You're, you're causing there to be sync that our souls are being nourished and they are being strengthened where there was infirmity and distraction and overwhelm and fatigue and disappointment and failure. You are blotting those things out. You're eliminating those things, God, and you're giving us enrichment by the Spirit. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise and glory that this immersion will birth so many testimonies, so many miracles, so many open doors, so many access points, so many marvelous transformations in our hearts and in our ministries. Thank you that kings will never remain the same again. And every one of your sons and daughters in this fold will become manifold, will become many folds in, in essence and ways and virtue and force. Thank you, Father. We give you our, our praise and glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. All right. Generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908 123 4566. One more thing someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.